last week when Elena and I recorded, we were on day four of a caffeine withdrawal. So day four of quitting all forms of caffeine. So thank you for bearing uh, with me and how slow and irritable I probably was. I definitely was. Um, but that's what an interesting perspective to, to see somebody in the, the middle of a, of a withdrawal. You know, in hindsight, because I was very nervous to record it and like reveal this like slower part of myself because um, I was not sharp and I like feeling sharp for stuff I put out. But in hindsight, that is a very interesting um, perspective to see somebody in the midst of a uh, caffeine withdrawal. Like take that to the extreme, for example, like caffeine is not, you know, the most dangerous drug on the world, but, but wouldn't it be so fucking interesting to hear a podcast recorded on like day two of somebody's heroin withdrawal, just like getting a, just a, a glimpse into the mind of that person as it's happening. And not only hearing them talk about it, but hearing the way they talk about it, like the energy, like, cause that this exists in the form of like a, an addict talking about their experience with addiction in the past after they've overcome it. But how interesting would it be to see that person's perspective as as it is happening, as the withdrawals are happening? That would be cool. So uh, in hindsight, what I should have done is I should have either recorded podcasts or vlogged days one, two, and three of the caffeine withdrawal because those by far were the most uh, intense days of the caffeine withdrawal. And, um, you know, caffeine withdrawal is not nothing to, nothing to snicker at. It's, it's pretty challenging, especially depending on how much caffeine you were ingesting. And shamefully, I, I admit that I was, uh, towards the end of my caffeine use there, I was ingesting probably upwards of 600, 700, or even 800 milligrams of caffeine a day, uh, which I guess if you wanted in coffee, it's like, that's like eight shots of coffee. That's like multiple nitro cold brews. That's, it's a, it's a lot of caffeine. Um, and it, it wasn't that, that way for too long. That was when I, I knew I had to, had to pull back, but, uh, you know, every day I would have like four shots of espresso or the equivalent, uh, amount of caffeine through matcha green tea and yerba mate. Um, so yeah, so that was a pretty nasty withdrawal. So what's interesting is I'm still going through withdrawals. They're just much less severe right now. Um, but I'm, I feel a lot better. I feel good. I feel good that I'm not on caffeine. I feel, let's see, let's let's see how I feel in my body. I feel, I feel like my sleep is better. I feel more confident that I, that I feel rested. I don't second guess my level of restedness after getting eight hours of sleep. Um, I wish I could say I was experiencing anti-anxiety benefits. That's a a big claim uh, that people make about quitting caffeine. Still anxious, still nervous as shit, but but maybe that subsides with time. I'm not sure. Uh, What else? Oh, uh, this, this 
theory that popped into my head was very interesting for me to think about regarding caffeine because, you know, I quit caffeine, but I, I've done this before. I've quit caffeine before and I come back on it with the intention of coming back. on. I like, I'm not quitting caffeine forever, but I do think that, uh, it's good to, to take breaks every once in a while. But I was thinking about this idea the other day and it, depending on how this experiment goes and how in line, how much truth is behind this theory, it may motivate me to stay off caffeine for a much longer time than I previously imagined. Um, and that is that while you're off caffeine, your net energy is higher, but when you're on caffeine, your peak energy is higher. And that's on a day to day basis, meaning that, um, if, if, uh, if you have caffeine on a, on a given day and you ranked your energy on a scale of one to 10, you, you might have reached a nine at some point in that day. That was your peak energy. Um, whereas off caffeine, my peak energy is probably somewhere like a six, but I'm able to maintain that six over the course of say about 16 hours of waking, 16 waking hours. Whereas I may reach a peak energy of nine on caffeine but that peak energy window exists for probably four to five hours. And then the hours surrounding that peak energy window will diminish and eventually become less than um, the average energy level off caffeine, which was a six. So, so it would eventually go down to like a three, let's say. And if you sum up the total amount of energy, which is what is that? It's the Num it's the number representing your energy times the number of hours uh, in that energy level summed across your waking hours of that day. This is literally, this is like, was something we learned in school, right? You saw a graph and you took the, you, you saw a line graph and then you took the area underneath that line. That would be net energy. So the, the theory is that off caffeine, my net energy will be higher. And then, um, but on caffeine, my peak energy will be higher. And that's, that's not even a, a theory. The peak energy is always higher on caffeine. That's like, I can't even argue that. But if my net energy is higher off of caffeine, if that is true, then it may behoove me to stay off caffeine for uh, an indefinite amount of time because of the nature of my work and how I try to blend my life and my work to be like one seamless thing where I'm kind of always working, but then also like kind of like, yes, this is work recording a podcast, but like, is it, you know, it's like fun. Right. So, so that's my goal. But, but say, imagine I was a professional athlete, say I was a, a basketball player who practiced for three hours a day and that was my only work. Okay. If that were me, I would for sure be on caffeine because all that matters is peak energy. Getting a 20% increase in uh, ability for three hours, three to four hours, that only, only, um, only ends up helping me in terms of my work. Uh, because after that, that work is over, I, I don't need to be in a peak energy level uh, to just relax, assuming that's what I wanted to do. 
Um, so if my work were relegated to a narrow number of hours, then peak energy is what I should optimize for. However, my work, it pretty much starts from when I wake up to just about maybe an hour before I go to bed. And that's not saying like everything I do is super hardcore all day, but like I, I definitely, it definitely benefits me to have a certain amount of energy, even like the last thing I do before bed to relax me. It actually is really useful to have some energy in it. And it does, and that skill I'm developing while doing it will pay off despite it being somewhat of a leisurely activity, which is reading out loud to my girlfriend. Me and Elena read out read a book out loud to each other. We trade off and we like do voices and stuff. And and that's a leisurely activity. It is. However, um, reading uh, the my performance is improved in that reading. We try to read well to each other, and we try to narrate characters well to each other, and and um, that performance is aided by having more energy. It just is. Doing that with no energy is very difficult, despite it being something that relaxes me. So, uh, and then prior to that, it, you know, it's content creation and. Um, brainstorming and, and meeting with uh, my teams on the various projects that I'm working on. So so if that's the case, if I'm really doing some form of work basically all day long, then I want to optimize for net energy. Uh, yes. So I don't know how much this resonates with anybody or if, it, if it'll impact anybody in their decision. Um, to, to think about caffeine. I, I guess the thing that I think is important for people to do, at least important for me to do, is to at least think about the idea that I'm ingesting caffeine basically every day. Uh, I've, had, I've thought for a while now that just like we look back on people in the past, back when smoking cigarettes was like considered uh, okay, it was just like, yeah, of course, everybody smokes cigarettes. There's no nothing wrong with smoking cigarettes. Everybody smokes cigarettes. Um, There's even a time when it was that way with alcohol. But then time moves on, and we learn about it. And then people stop doing it so regularly. They start doing it consciously. And then people who do it unconsciously, those people are they develop a problem. It's viewed as a problem, and oftentimes it is. Uh, and I think in the future, we're going to look back on today's society and just, just the level of unconscious caffeine consumption is going to be viewed as shocking to the conscious consumers of the future. I do believe that that, that is true. Um, yes, yes, I believe that to be true. Uh, so a new thing I started doing yesterday two days ago is uh, i'm going to start posting one thing i learn every day to my instagram story and that's at jesse warren bruh and uh this is a goal of mine to to basically get me out of my head in terms of content creation like expedited content creation because i, I put a lot of care into the content that i do create and it usually takes quite a bit of time however 
I want to, in order to produce the quantity of content that I want to eventually produce, I have to become more comfortable putting out largely improvisational content. And this is a good way to practice that because I just kind of record myself talking about one thing I learned every day. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it's feels pretty uncomfortable to do it. Um, as, uh, as somebody who, I don't know, I've, maybe I've grown with many, many takes and with the filter on my head is the dragon. It's just like, it's much more comfortable to, to put out that type of content. It doesn't feel as scary. Um, but to, to just kind of take one or two takes of something that's just me talking to a camera that feels intimidating. I can't pinpoint exactly why. Uh, well, let's try Let's try to pinpoint why, uh, it's vulnerable. Number one, it's just you talking and I guess the, I guess the assumption is that because it's just you talking, you believe the thing you are saying is worth consuming. And that is, um, it's a bold thing to assert. You better be able to back that up, uh, I guess, if, if you're going to assert that. But... It's, it's interesting because I don't think that's when you should start. I don't think that people who want to create content should wait till they feel like the thing they have to say is worth consuming. I think that if people waited for that moment, that moment would never come. So I would actually advocate beginning something like this prior to feeling like what you have to say is good enough. Very counterintuitive. And, and because... Eventually it will be, but you have to do the thing that's not that to get to the place where it actually is. And that's, I think, true for, for everybody. Yeah, very counterintuitive there. So, so that's part of the reason why it feels uncomfortable. Um, what else? What else could feel uncomfortable about that? I, I guess I haven't been creating a ton of video content lately and I'm going to change that pretty soon. I'm going to become active on TikTok again. I've been off TikTok for maybe four to five weeks now. That's the longest time that I've been off it. And I don't like that this is the second time I've done that. I, I, I'm not crazy about the idea that I, I was creating multiple TikToks every day, and then I took a month off a few months ago, and then I did it again. I'm not crazy about that, and I definitely didn't plan for that. It's a te It's just showcasing how... I haven't managed the other dimensions in my life such that I can maintain that posting consistency while balancing other things that happen to come up that I, that I could have planned better for that had to take priority during this last month. Um, and then when you get in the momentum of focusing on other things, it's hard to be like, well, I'll post one video now. And then who knows when I'll post the next one. That's not motivating to me. So uh, this is certainly a work in progress. However, I do fully intend to come back to TikTok and video creation uh, with a new newfound energy and zest. Um, because I, the more I think about it, the more I, th I, I truly believe that digital content, no matter what, 
my goal is. Getting good at creating digital content is a surefire path to at least coming close to doing the things I want. And that's good to know, especially for somebody who doesn't have a exactly clear idea of exactly where he wants to end up. Like I don't have, like somebody doesn't have the job that exactly that I want. That doesn't, I haven't encountered that person. So it's a little more vague what about what, what it is that I want to do. So with that vagueness, it is, it is comforting to know that there is something that I believe will help me get to the general vicinity of what it is that I want, even if I can't tell you the exact coordinates of that thing that I want. So very good. And I think that's true. I, I, I was listening to, um, let's say, Gary V. And it's, I'm surprised that I only recently came across him. I, I came across him like two weeks ago. And no, like one week ago, like literally, I think like four days ago, I came across him. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed his content and his emphasis on digital content creation. Uh, I think what he's saying is, is generally very valuable. And, um, and, and I'm grateful to him for, for creating a, a shift in emphasis. Because I always knew that creating digital content was important, but the degree to which it was important and the degree to which it is generalizably important and independent of profession, I, that, that, that is very, that's a very innovative idea to me. And that he was able to encapsulate that was very cool. It's a very cool idea. Yes, um, very, very good. So lastly, I before I do embark on this, I'm, I'm going to create kind of this digital content pipeline. I'm, I want to brainstorm a way to consistently put out content without having to go through months where I'm not creating content and without having to really push through days of creating content that I don't necessarily feel uh, super thrilled about. And that involves kind of broadening the brand of content that I create. So while I'll still do Bartholomew content, it, it just it just cannot be the only content that I create. Because on some days, I, it just does not, I don't have something I'm proud of from that that can be looked at from that perspective. And on some days I really do. Um, but on the days that I don't, I need to have the freedom to, to pursue something else that catches my fancy and that inspires me. Uh, so with that being said, so I'm, so I'm thinking about this, this content pipeline. And part of that is, um, I think rebranding, Part of that process will be rebranding the podcast and changing the tone ever so slightly, but uh, largely keep it uh, keep it the same. Because because right now, and when I created, especially when I created it, I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. I didn't even have a name for the podcast. 
uh, and I had never spoken at length like this with nobody there. Like that was not something I've done, like just talked to a microphone, uh, which felt insane, still feels a little insane, but comparatively felt so insane when I was first doing it. So now having done it for some months now, I have a lot more clarity. And that's exactly what I expected to happen when I started before I thought I was ready. That's exactly the benefit that of starting before you're ready. It's be, through the process of doing, did I achieve this clarity? And there's no other way I could have come across it. Um, so now I have a better idea of what it is that I want to um, want to speak to. And I think framing it from the perspective of an aspiring influencer, no matter how lame that sounds, it sounds very lame, huh? Because influencer already has some uh, negative connotation, but somebody who is an aspiring influencer, that almost sounds sad. It, it does actually sound sad, um, but I don't care because it is the most uh, accurate description of what I currently am. Really, I think so. At least the way I view influencer, um, which is just broadly speaking, somebody who has an impact on people at scale. And um, so framing it, the podcast from the perspective of somebody who has achieved some meager successes, but is so, so, so early in the process, in this, in this uh, becoming a full-time influencer and getting an inside look at exactly what that process is and exactly the type of progress or lack of progress made in that journey, documenting specific metrics that, um, that you can use to show some kind of semblance of concrete progress through this career path that has no defined path. Does that make sense? So when you're becoming a doctor, there is a pretty clear career path. And um, even people who aren't doctors, they know that path and they know the steps. You go, you know, you, you go to college and then you go to, to medical school and then I think you, you, you intern or whatever. <laughs> I actually don't really know, but it's, it's, it's vaguely, it's vaguely obvious. Um, however, like how do you measure progress as an influencer? Well, it's of course, of course, followers, but how does that change over time? Because all we see are people who are that rarely do we see the week to week update on across all platforms. So that that means concretely, I would include metrics from uh, like followers and, and watch time and stuff like that across all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, even the podcast, um, and even potentially things like the number of hours I spent writing that week, or the number of uh, performances, live performances, when I get back to that, uh, I, I did that week. And seeing if we can eventually correlate these things with um, my success uh, and my, I guess, then, then what is success, right? I guess 
part of it is financial uh part of it is financial and part of it is harder to quantify how do you quantify influence i guess uh, something maybe some metric about comments like capturing a bunch of positive comments and seeing how those change over time i don't know i'm still brainstorming but basically a completely transparent look into the process and uh, metrics, setbacks, hurdles, and um, wins of an aspiring influencer. I don't know if it's been done before. It's not entirely unique. I'm sure somebody's done something similar or maybe even the exact same thing. I'm not really concerned with that. Um, if there is, though, do let me know. I'm curious and I would like to consume that content. Um, but yeah, so that and and things even even down to like my income runway, right? Because I I have savings right now. I have a I have a I I have very little income because I have no day job. I used to, and I made some I saved, and now I've been living off of those savings. So I have a fixed amount of time where something needs to shift, where my income exceeds my spending. Uh, before, otherwise, I will run out of money and have to do something else. And I, and that's okay, too, if I have to fucking deliver Postmates or go back and get a job as a software engineer. But I will literally probably do anything in my power to stop that, even if that means like e eating eggs and oats only every day for a year L literally i think i'll do anything before it comes to that so um so yeah so that's i i think that that will be interesting and uh and it'll be a good framing device for everything that i have to say because i'll still have you know these learnings and these things that have worked for me these challenges that i always do i love these challenges i think they provide a lot of insight for myself mm. And um, yeah, so that's that rebranding and also part of the motivation I forgot to mention. I, I talked briefly about it is, is if I re-listen to my first, second, and third episodes, when my first episode still getting the most listens for anybody who discovers me, they go to, back to the first episode. And I actually don't know if that's good because um, li I like that. I like those episodes in that they show... How, how much I've changed, but if I'm trying to get somebody to stay and listen, like it, it was a completely different sounding person because I had never done this before and there's a quick learning curve uh, and it just doesn't sound like how I want to sound. And I hope how I sound now eventually doesn't sound like how I want to sound, but I know for a fact, like just when you start anything new, like the first few attempts, they're going to suck at at such a grander scale than you it's the difference between your first attempt and your 10th attempt and the and the difference between your 10th attempt and your 20th attempt are so different right because that 10th attempt is going to look completely different than that first attempt but that 20th attempt it should ideally look better than that 10th attempt but it's not going to be at that, like that, that degree of severity and indifference between those two things, that 
there, so with that in mind, um, I'm thinking about purging some of my earlier podcast episodes just so people can start at a point where I feel somewhat comfortable speaking into the mic uh, solo style. So thank you to everybody who's still been listening despite me not being on TikTok and reminding you that I have a podcast like the people who are subscribed. I, I really appreciate it. If you have any ideas, any feedback about what you'd like to see in the the new rebranded podcast, please message me on Instagram at Jesse Warren Bruh. Please, please message me. Uh, you guys, I, I very much appreciate. It. Thank you.